You can listen to episodes of Conversations with Joe earlier than everybody else and completely ad-free on Nebula. When you sign up for Nebula, our creator-owned streaming service, you not only get access to ad-free content from my channel, you also get bonus episodes in my videos and exclusive series not available anywhere else. Sign up for Nebula by clicking the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash conversations with Joe to support the podcast and get more eye-opening content. Hey, thanks for listening to the Answers with Joe podcast. Today I'm reposting the audio version of the video I did a while back about climate change. And as you can probably imagine, I get asked about climate change quite a bit. It's the uh, topic du jour, and it's always sure to uh, spark up some controversy. But I wanted to tackle this in a slightly different way. I didn't want to throw a bunch of facts and figures out there because, let's face it, we've all seen the facts and figures. People who are... Uh, ambivalent or deniers about climate change are, you know, throwing facts and figures at, at them is not going to change their minds at this point. So the, the way I basically wanted to come at it was to say that, you know, when you look at the big picture of life on this earth and the climate of the earth, we're actually living in a very rare time of stable, warm climate that has allowed us to thrive. And there's no guarantee that it will stay. In fact, all the evidence points to the fact that it's going to go away in some form or fashion. And it doesn't take a whole lot for um, the climate to be nudged one way or another and then just spiral into some extreme thing that would make it very difficult for us to survive. So that my, my biggest opinion on the whole thing is I just don't think we should be messing with the climate. We need to try to keep it as stable as we possibly can because it is destined to change one way or another, and uh, I think it would be good if we survived. I think that's a good thing for our species. Anyway, so you can listen to the rest of it here. If you haven't seen it uh, in its entirety on YouTube, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go check it out there. So enjoy this episode, but first... This audio orgasm is brought to you by Cankerboy.com. Cankerboy is a subscription service for people who get regular canker sores and mouth ulcers, which is about 20% of the population, if you can believe it. When you sign up, you get the Cankerboy supplement delivered to your door every two months. It's a pill that, when taken daily, helps prevent canker sores from forming. So, you know how you're always smearing that goop that numbs your mouth? That's what most canker sore treatments do. This one keeps them from forming in the first place. Much better in my book. So you get the first two months risk-free. If it doesn't work, you'll get your money back. I call that the pain-free guarantee. So you got nothing to lose but the pain. Give it a try. That's cankerboy.com, C-A-N-K-E-R-B-O-Y.com. All right, let's get back into the show. There was an experiment done in 1972. It was called Universe 25. And they took eight mice and put them in basically the perfect mouse environment. They had plenty of things to do. It was the perfect temperature, all the food they could ever ask for. It was mouse utopia until things went horribly wrong. With no challenges to keep them in check, the mice wildly overpopulated, fighting broke out, social norms broke down, and, and, and things got bad. They got really bad. The point of the experiment was that apparently without any kind of challenges, society will eventually wipe itself out. But those are mice. They're not an intelligent species. That could never happen to us. Right? Shaw M asked, I'd like to see a video on climate change. Climate change is sort of a controversial topic, with one side saying that we're taking a stable environment and destroying it with all of our pollution, and the other side saying that we're way too small and the Earth's way too big for us to ever make a difference. But the problem with both of those arguments is that they're predicated on the idea that we live on a planet with a stable climate. And we very don't. 
In the four billion year history of Earth, our climate has fluctuated wildly, from everything from a giant snowball to a worldwide sauna and back again. It's just constantly flipping back and forth between two extremes. It's a chaotic mess of feedback loops and domino effects of one thing affecting another until it spirals out of control one direction before some other set of influences swings it back the other direction. What might be the most scary is how little it can take to cause these extreme flips to happen, you know, an, an asteroid impact, volcanic activity, the, the tectonic plates shifting and causing changes in ocean currents, and the thawing of giant frozen methane hydrate deposits under the soil, even just the wobble of the Earth on its tilt and the axis and its orbit around the sun, all of these things have served at one point or another to shift the climate from one extreme to another. The one thing you can count on when it comes to the climate is that it's constantly changing. But that's a hard thing for most people to grasp, because it doesn't feel that way. To us, it feels like it's a pretty stable environment. Like all things, it helps to look at the big picture. The average human lifespan, right now anyway, is about 80 years. So let's see how that stacks up against the three billion year history of the Earth's climate. Well, can't even see anything there. We're going to have to go smaller. Uh, still smaller. Keep going. More. 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 Uh, uh, yeah, one more. There it is. <laughs> yeah. That's consequential. There's a lot we're not seeing in a single human life, but what about all of human history? That's actually where things get pretty interesting, but for that we're going to have to take a couple steps back. Because when you look at this time scale, what a lot of people don't realize is that for the vast majority of human history, we lived in an ice age. And by the way, just to put the ice age into perspective, consider these boulders in Central Park. These grooves on the boulders were caused by the grinding motion of glaciers that covered New York and most of North America. The glaciers over New York were three miles high. So if you're ever like in Times Square and catch yourself thinking, gee, I wonder if woolly mammoths walked through here once upon a time, you'll have to imagine them three miles above you. This was the Pleistocene epoch when woolly mammoths roamed the north and eight-foot giant ground sloths roamed the south, when there was so much water trapped in the poles that the ocean levels dropped, creating land bridges, which is exactly how the native inhabitants of America got over here. So much water trapped in ice meant there was less rain going around the world, which meant that edible plants were hard to come by. Humans were scavenging and getting by just by killing whatever they could find. Innovation was impossible because every ounce of energy just went into surviving. And this went on for well over 100,000 years. But about 10,000 years ago, something changed. Humans learned how to plant crops and the agricultural revolution began, which many people consider to be the moment that we culturally became the humans we are today. But why? Why, after hundreds of thousands of years of scraping by, did we suddenly start living in abundance? Take a look at what happens when you drop a chart of global temperatures on top of this time scale. After 100,000 years of sub-zero chaos, the Earth entered a rare warm period and temperate period that's continued to this day. And it's no accident that that correlated with the beginning of the agricultural revolution. Warmer weather and more rain made it possible for starchy grains like rice and oats and wheat to flourish, and early humans were just clever enough to figure out how to cultivate that. But it wasn't just what they were eating. They had to keep track of time to know when to plant and when to harvest, so calendar systems were created. Since the food was shared around, systems of math and weight 
weights and measures had to be developed. And, and to keep track of inventory, they had symbols that represented the different grains. Those symbols then went on to become the foundations of our first languages. Monetary systems and currencies formed, and then hubs and marketplaces for trading. Cities sprung up, and the civilizations as we know it came to be. Our entire way of life was made possible because of this random, rare, and fragile stretch of stable climate over the last 10,000 years. So here's an idea. Let's totally f*** with that. About 150 years ago, we started digging carbon-based fossil fuels out of the ground and burning it for energy. This kicked off the Industrial Revolution, which proved to be even a bigger game-changer than the Agricultural Revolution. I mean, really, 200 years ago, people weren't living that much differently than people did 5,000 years ago. The pace of change that we have seen in the last 200 years has been unbelievable. That's why I'm not really that big of a hater on fossil fuels, because, I mean, when it all comes down to it, our lives have been made unmeasurably better because of them. But the downside, of course, is that there's been a worldwide, long-term, concerted effort to dig carbon that's been sequestered under the ground for millions of years and pump it up into the atmosphere, which has wound up pushing the greenhouse gases level up over 400 parts per million in 2013. And the last time the world has seen that level of CO2 concentration in the atmosphere was 3 million years ago in the mid-Pliocene period, which pushed sea levels up 80 meters. And over half the world's population lives near coastlines, so yeah, that's a problem. The scarier part is that crops that have been stable for thousands of years are going to become a lot less stable, water's going to become scarce, and next thing you know you're going to be strapped to your nuts to a giant wall of speakers on wheels playing a flaming guitar. And the worst part is, it might already be too late. Remember what I said earlier about feedback loops and domino effects? Well, as the Arctic warms, the ice melts, which exposes the darker ground underneath, which absorbs more of the sun's radiation, making everything warmer. Spiral! And as that ground warms, it thaws the permafrost, soil that's been frozen for thousands of years, and inside of that are organic compounds that break down into carbon dioxide and methane, putting even more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. In fact, last year, scientists were puzzled by these craters that seemed to just appear out of nowhere in Siberia. Well, now they've determined that they were explosions caused by frozen methane deep in the ground that evaporated. Spiral! And the oceans actually absorb a lot of carbon dioxide from the air, but it makes the oceans acidic, which kills algae. Algae that turns carbon dioxide into oxygen, which takes that carbon dioxide out of the carbon process, leaving it up in the air and making it even more concentrated. Spiral! But that's okay, because our natural gas drilling is way safer than it used to be. Now you're looking at a rupture within a massive underground containment system. It was first detected more than two months ago. It's venting gas at a rate of 110,000 pounds an hour. Oh, for the love of God. So, doctor, um, what do we, like, what do we do? Like, what do we do? Um, how, do how, how do we, how, how, how? How? What do we do? The situation is so bleak that there's actually been a rash of depression and even suicides amongst climate scientists because they're looking at the data and it doesn't look good. If we saw a killer asteroid coming towards Earth, we'd do something about it because we understand that. That's tangible. We get hit, we go boom. But climate change isn't so simple. It's not just a single tangible threat, and there isn't any one single action that we need to take to stop it. The only way to combat this is for us to change our habits and our lifestyles. Unfortunately, human beings are not very good at making drastic change unless there's a huge tragedy to spur that change. So the bad news is it's probably going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But the good news is, we're one of the most adaptable species on the planet. We were forged in the ice ages. And if there's one thing that's changing faster than our climate right now, it's our exponential rate of technology. 
Just last year, a German physicist announced a successful test of the Wendelstein 7X nuclear fusion reactor. It actually held a fusion reaction for a quarter of a second. And nuclear fusion is the holy grail of clean energy. It doesn't create any harmful byproducts, and it would be an ongoing, stable, continuous source of energy. Now, a quarter of a second isn't very long, but it's a start. The Wright brothers' first flight only lasted 12 seconds. Tesla Motors just last week launched the Model 3, which is their electric car for the masses, which if it's successful, could completely change the way we drive over the next 10 years, putting millions of completely emission-free cars on the road. New battery technologies are making it possible to store more energy and retrieve it faster, which could completely overhaul our entire electrical infrastructure. Solar panels are getting more and more effective and cheaper and easier to install than ever before. Massive CO2 scrubbers could clean the air of the carbon dioxide, and in fact, last year a Chinese artist went around Beijing with a vacuum cleaner and collected air and was able to make a brick out of it. If one guy could do that, imagine what we could do on a big industrial scale. Hi, Acme Brick? Yeah. I've got an idea. Worst case scenario, we could construct massive solar shields that actually orbit between the Earth and the Sun that can adjust the amount of light that hits Earth. A 16-year-old kid developed a solar-powered ocean cleanup project that could get all the plastic out of our oceans in a couple of decades and pay for itself. In the end, it's all about sustainability. If you're spending $500 a month more than you're making, you're eventually going to run out of money or go into debt. It's just not sustainable. Similarly, if you're pumping carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere more than you're taking out, eventually there's going to be a reckoning. Not to mention fossil fuels are a limited resource. We're going to run out at some point. Ultimately, it's up to all of us to change our mindsets on this planet and how we use it. Support politicians that see the value in these kinds of large-scale climate recovery projects, and don't let the whole it-costs-too-much argument get in there, because you know what? It's going to cost a whole lot less to be proactive about it than to move all these cities out of the way that are in danger because of sea level rise. And if you want to make some changes in your own life to help do your part to make the world more sustainable, I highly suggest checking out my friend Tom's channel, Green Shorts. In it, he, he gives you ideas and tips and tricks to be more sustainable in your own life, not just in your little daily activities, but also in big green building projects as well. The videos are short and fun and hugely informative. If you want to make a difference, you've got time for this. And for one final thought, I, I kind of hate it when I hear environmentalists talk about save the world or saying that we're destroying the world, because it's just not true. We're not going to destroy the world. The world's going to destroy us. Very early in Earth's history, a Mars-sized planet smashed into the Earth, which dug a huge chunk of the crust out, which wound up forming the moon. And you know what happened? It just kept going. We could launch every nuclear weapon that has ever existed at the same time, and the Earth would barely flinch, okay? It was around billions of years before we were here. It will be around long after we're gone. When we talk about climate change, we're not talking about saving the Earth. We're talking about saving ourselves. The fact that the Earth has been in this relatively stable climate for the last 10,000 years has been a ridiculous stroke of luck for humanity. And right now, we're pushing that luck to the breaking point. In our tiny lifespans, we've seen enormous progress in technology and culture, and we just assume that it's going to, it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to keep going that way. I mean, why wouldn't it? It's all we've ever known. It is written nowhere that this is going to continue. It's up to us to fight for it, to wise up, to put an end to this thing that Elon Musk called the dumbest experiment in human history. Because I don't know about you, but I like where things are going. And I want to see him keep going that way. But what do you think? Do you think it's too late? What big projects would you like to see happen? And what changes have you made personally in your own life to make a difference? As always, thanks for watching. If you like this video, please share it on your social media channels and spread this message around. This is important stuff. And if this is your first time here, I hope I earned your subscription because I come back with stuff just like this every Monday, except maybe not quite so depressing. All right, you guys go out there and you have an eye-opening week, and I will see you next time. Love you guys. Take care.
Hey, thanks for listening to the Answers with Joe podcast. If you found this through the YouTube channel and you are not subscribed on iTunes or Google Play, I encourage you to do so. I'm going to be coming back with interviews and repeats of old videos just like this all the time. And if you found this on the podcast player, then uh, know I have a YouTube channel on, uh, well, on YouTube. Just do a little search for Answers with Joe, and you'll find all kinds of fun science and comedy stuff to keep you entertained and thinking about cool stuff for the rest of the week. And you can find this in all my podcasts and all my videos at AnswersWithJoe.com. And if you enjoyed it, a nice review in the iTunes or Google Play Store goes a long way. And, of course, word of mouth means everything. So anything you can do to help get the word out, I really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. I will catch you next time. Have a good one.